Welcome to you wherever you are at, whomever you're with. We are so very glad that you are here with us this weekend. Before we jump into our teaching series, if you've not yet discovered the version Bible app, uh, you should get that on your phone or on your device. In addition to all the other resources, if you look under events, Arlington FM Church, you will find a complete set of notes for this message. Uh, also, when you're in your favorite podcast player, you can likewise search for Arlington FM Church. And there you will find all of our teaching content. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends, post it on your social media network, and let's get the good word out together. Well, uh, speaking of good words, uh, we are in a series called uh, Uncommon Sense. And, uh, you know, today we're going to focus on the subtitle, Learning to Live in the Wisdom and the Power of God's Spirit. And uh, we're going to ask this question, uh, how do you actually do it? You know, we've been uh, hopefully inspired by this incredible gift that God uh, wants to be normative uh, in the lives of all Christ followers. Uh, how do we how do we deploy? Uh, how do we employ uh, this wonderful gift and resource of God's presence in our lives through the person of the Holy Spirit? Uh, this weekend, uh, I woke up with a sore throat. Uh, body aches, you know, all the classic signs, of course, and my mind went to, uh, I've, I've got COVID, so I took my test, determined that wasn't part of the equation, uh, but again, uh, just feeling like uh, crummy, and uh, how do you, in those moments, and maybe you're dealing with something far worse, you know, maybe you're uh, uh, going through chemotherapy, as a good friend of mine is, or maybe you're navigating a divorce, uh, maybe you've had a a joint replacement that's not healing well, as another friend of mine is enduring. Whatever it is, uh, when you're going through those low times in life, uh, how do you uh, gird yourself up and be empowered to live the supernatural life that we've been talking about? Uh, you know, it's that life that uh, Paul continually begs God uh, to stir up in the lives of his friends who have... Uh, called on the name of Jesus, and uh, here's kind of our foundational text for this passage uh, from Colossians 1. Paul says, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life that is worthy of Jesus, worthy of the King of Kings, and one that pleases God in every way. And uh, as we unpacked last week, there's a sequence there. You know, and it begins with being filled with the knowledge of God's good and perfect and pleasing will through uh, all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Uh, so without this work uh, of the Spirit opening our minds, opening our hearts to the good things that God has in store for us, uh, there is no worthy life and there is no pleasing God in every way. Uh, Paul says it like this. In Corinthians, uh, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has even been able to conceive of, the things that God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things that God has revealed to us by his Spirit. There's that focus again on that engagement with the person of the Spirit that opens us up to understand what God has done for us through Christ. Uh, he goes on and says, what we have received is not the spirit that is from the world, but we've received the very spirit who is from the eternal God so that 
we may understand what God has freely given us. And again, to overstate the point, without this interaction with the Holy Spirit that has been given to us, we cannot understand the things that God has freely made available to us. Uh, Jesus uh, taught, went to great lengths uh, to teach his disciples how it was going to be after his death and resurrection and he returned uh, to God in heaven. Uh, he taught about their engagement with the person of the Holy Spirit. He said, I'll not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Very truly, Jesus said, I, I say to you, it's for your good that I'm going away. And we ask, how in the world could it be for their good that the Son of God, God in the flesh, would be leaving them? Well, here's how. He said, unless I go away, the advocate, this helper, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Uh, more on this advocate. He said, uh, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. And he will remind you of everything that I have said to you. You know, uh, sometimes you try to download a bunch of information, and it's, uh, it's such a hefty uh, packet of data that you kind of grind to take it all in well jesus said that's the way truth is and he said i have much more to say to you more than you can even bear but when he the spirit of truth comes to you he will guide you into all the truth well uh, here's kind of the point uh summarized that uh, the teaching of the apostles uh, the teaching of jesus basically is saying this you and I cannot do Christian without a real and meaningful relationship with the Spirit of God. I'd like you to hear that again. You cannot do Christian. You cannot live the life that Jesus called people to live, to be a new creation in him. We can't do that without a meaningful interaction with the Spirit of God. I uh, love how uh, Paul refers uh, to this as normative. Uh, for uh, people who want to follow Jesus through this world. He said in 2 Corinthians 13, at the end of this fantastic letter, uh, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, yeah, we all want to experience that, and may the love of God, uh, we all live uh, based on that truth, uh, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all this deep communion with the person and the presence of God through his spirit in our lives. Uh, you know, a great book on the subject of how a lot of Christ followers attempt to do Christian without actively engaging, enjoying the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. A book called Forgotten God by Francis Chan. And he kind of chronicles uh, how it is that we attempt to live without the person and the presence of God through his spirit in our lives. And uh, so I uh, kind of want to bring us back uh, to this question that we asked last week. Uh, how is your relationship with the spirit of God? Uh, how are you doing in that regard? Are you enjoying the fellowship of the spirit and all the wonderful things that Jesus taught that he does and, uh, and living in the answer to Paul's prayer uh, that you'd be filled with the knowledge of God's will, all the things he's freely given you in Christ through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. 
You know, we, uh, we also looked at this group of disciples in Acts 19. When Paul came upon them, obviously, there were some things that were missing. <laughs> the lights were on, but no one was home. And uh, Paul, as he engages in a conversation with these disciples, he asked them, did you receive the Spirit when you believed? And uh, their answer is kind of revelatory. Uh, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Maybe that's, uh, maybe that's the, the nature of your engagement uh, with this gift of the Spirit. And then uh, we also looked at this blind man that Jesus healed progressively uh, in stages. And at one point he asked him, do you see anything? Uh, is it better? Are you seeing, uh, in, in our case, are you seeing the wonderful things that God has planned for you clearly? And uh, this man's answer, he looked up. He said, I see people, but it's, they look like trees walking around. There's no clarity. There's a lot of blurriness uh, to the way that I'm currently seeing. And once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. And I want to invite you to pause, pray with me at this point before we get very practical on how it is we open up to the wisdom and the power of the Spirit of God in our lives. Uh, Father, we thank you that you have this deep love for us. We thank you for Jesus and that he has made a way for us to be near to you again. He's made a way for us to become children of God, new creatures in Christ Jesus. And now we're asking, Lord, that uh, in a similar way, uh, that you would open our eyes, that you would touch our spiritual understanding, and that uh, we would be uh, able to see clearly the things that you have freely given us as we look into your word, how to open up to the wisdom and power that your spirit wants to give us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are going to turn uh, to one of the most uh, extensive and uh, practical teachings on li living in the gift and the power and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit uh, in the entire Bible. And uh, in fact, the, the uh, location is the book of Romans, chapter 8. And uh, in this chapter, in fact, in my Bible, at the heading of this chapter, it calls it life in the Spirit. And uh, really, that's what Romans chapter 8 is. It's a description of how it is uh, that even on our bad days, even when we feel crummy, even when we're going through it, we're at our wit's end, we can open up to and live in the wisdom and the power of God's Spirit, whom Jesus sent to be with us. And uh, here's how Paul uh, begins this wonderful, uh, practical uh, teaching on life in the Spirit of God. He says, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, why is that? Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And, uh, you know, you want to look at the very first uh, tip that the Apostle Paul gives us on living in the wisdom and the power of God's Spirit is uh, you got to be free. You've got to be free from any sense of condemnation that judgment has been removed from your outlook on life. 
You know, Jesus said, uh, speaking of the new wine uh, of his spirit, of his life, he said, you can't put new wine in old wineskins. New wine is for new wineskins. What's he saying? You can't live in this dynamic, wonderful, uh, eye-opening, life-empowering interaction with the Spirit of God and carry a sense of personal condemnation and judgment. You have to be willing to let go of the old wineskins of feeling distant from God. That's all changed when you said yes to Jesus. You have to be let go, let go of the old wineskins of feeling incapable of pleasing God. That's part of the old way of interacting with our Creator. Jesus has brought about something entirely new. You have to do, do away with the old wineskin of having to earn God's favor. If you're in Christ, you have God's favor. He is pleased with you. You know, all of this baggage that we often carry into our interaction with Christ uh, could come under that heading of being old wineskins, and we simply can't live in that ongoing empowerment of God's Spirit uh, when we live under a cloud of judgment or condemnation. You know that word, uh, condemnation? It is what it sounds like. It actually is defined in this way, damnatory sentence. Condemnation is the expectation that we could possibly be judged uh, as being condemn, condemnable. It's a damnatory sentence. And, uh, you know, uh, it's kind of hard to imagine that we could live free from any sense of uh, disappointing God. But that's exactly what Paul says the Spirit has set in motion. It's the law of life and liberty versus the law of sin and condemnation. Uh, here's kind of a startling way to say this when we walk in the spirit of life and liberty. Even when I sin, I win. And now, that could seem, uh, you know, kind of like anarchy. Uh, but what Paul is saying is that even our fails uh, don't have to be uh, fatal. Even our flaws, even our stumblings, uh, when we miss the mark, God is able to use even those things to further his purpose in our lives. And, uh, you know, if you're a thinking person, you might ask, well, how does that work? If, if God turns even my, my fatal flaws, my failures, my sins into wins, doesn't that kind of remove the guardrails of life? You know, the, the morality and the ethics that keep us on the straight and narrow. Well, Paul then talks about uh, how that works when we can live free, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He, he says those who live according to the flesh, according to our old nature, that old wineskin, have their minds set on what the flesh desires. In other words, uh, you're living for your appetites, you're living for yourself, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. He goes on to explain this a little bit more. The mind that is governed by the flesh produces death, but the mind that is governed by the Spirit produces life and peace. You know, uh, Paul is now saying, uh, again, very practically, you want to live in the life and liberty and the wisdom and power of the Spirit, uh, one of the choices you get to make is to uh, each day set your mind 
on the things that the Spirit desires. That's very practical. It's like when you start your day, you have to decide, is today going to be about what I want, or is today going to be governed by what the Spirit wants for my life? You know, at uh, our church facility here, we have quite a sprawling campus, uh, just about eight acres of property, almost that in buildings. And uh, throughout our, our uh, gymnasiums, our children's classrooms, our uh, main uh, auditorium, our worship center, we have like uh, 16 furnaces on the campus. All of them have their own thermostats. And uh, it used to be not uncommon. You'd show up at the building on some random day of the week and uh, walk into a, a part of the facility. And even though it's 25 degrees outside, it's sweltering hot in that part of the building. Why? Because no one set the thermostat uh, to be where it should be at that time of the day. And that's kind of an earthy illustration uh, to uh, really what Paul is inviting us to do. And now that we're, we're free from sin and death, we're free from condemnation, we have this life and liberty given to us uh, through the sacrifice of Christ. We get to choose each day to set the thermostat of our minds. Is today going to be about my appetites, my drives, my own personal ambitions? Or am I going to let those things take second, uh, fiddle, play second fiddle to what the Spirit desires and longs for in my life? And again, that's a choice that we can make each day. We either open up to that or we don't. Uh, Paul goes on. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters who are alive in Christ, who have this wonderful sense of no condemnation, uh, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. Uh, think about that word. When you're obligated to something, you're duty-bound. I remember when my wife and I bought our first house, and you signed this uh, 30-year loan and you walk out knowing uh, we got to make that mortgage payment for the next 30 years, you feel obligated. Well, Paul is saying uh, we have an obligation, but it's not according to our old nature to live according to it. Uh, for if uh, you live according to the flesh, you will die. You'll experience immediate death and even in the long range. But if by the Spirit you put to death that strong wording there, if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. You know, uh, Paul is really calling us to get good at something, being assassins of our old nature, uh, the behaviors that are not pleasing to the Spirit of God. We don't take them lightly. We don't give room for them in our thoughts and our minds. And instead, when we see them crop up, uh, Paul is saying, uh, be, be lethal with those things. Uh, deal with them assertively because as you put to death the misdeeds of your old nature, you will live. Uh, think about your body. Uh, Paul is saying uh, the thoughts that we think, uh, some of them need to be put to death. Uh, the things we do with our hands, uh, some of those actions need to be put to death. The words we speak with our mouths, some of those words need to be put to death. Uh, the things we look at with our eyes. Paul says, put to death the misdeeds of the body for this reason. Every time you do, more life springs up in you. You know, it's not a, a, the things that God wants to keep us from. 
It's the things that God wants to enter us into and invite us into. And each time we deal assertively with that old nature, with the old wineskins of who we used to be before we set our hearts to follow Christ, we experience more of the life of his spirit. Give you a very practical example. The other day I was uh, on my way to the dentist's office and I looked in my rearview mirror and saw some lights uh, coming uh, quite a ways behind me. Then I heard the sirens. It was a fire truck followed by an aid vehicle, followed by uh, another uh, emergency vehicle. And uh, those lights and those sirens were not on just for show. They were moving. And uh, I quickly got over in the right lane, couldn't pull off. There was no shoulder. And uh, they went whizzing by. And I went to pull back into the lane that I had been in and looked in my rearview mirror. And there was another vehicle coming at breakneck speed. And uh, this person uh, flew over to my right side, went by me. I thought maybe they were going to the fire too. Uh, but then uh, she pulled in front of me and slammed on her brakes. Apparently, she wasn't too happy that I had pulled into her lane. And uh, she started moving again, and then she slammed on her brakes again. I did what many of you would do. I prayed and said, God, spare this lady from the fires of hell. <laughs> and then I did some other things you might do. I started flashing my lights, started beeping my horn, and she kept hitting the brakes. I even thought about taking my phone and videotaping this crazy person. And, and then it's almost as if God said, time out. Is this the... Is this the kind of the misdeeds of the flesh you want to live in today? Or is there a better way? Yeah, I promptly uh, backed off, uh, did resume uh, praying for this lady. And, uh, you know, it's just, a, again, a practical illustration. Every day we're going to have opportunities to either uh, live according to the flesh, to set our minds on the things that we, uh, our drives and ambitions and desires, or will we open up? to the things that the Spirit wants to lead us into. And that's exactly where Paul continues to take us in this very practical chapter on life in the Spirit. He says uh, in verse 14, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. In other words, this is hallmark for those people that have new life in Christ is they, they want to be led by the Spirit, the Spirit that you received. It doesn't make us slaves. It's not another form of religious bondage so that you live in fear again. Rather, here's the motivation and the leadership of the Spirit in our lives. The Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by that Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. This is a very endearing term. And what Paul is saying to us is that if we'll surrender and submit to the leadership of the Spirit of God in our lives, it will lead us closer to God into a deeper experience of his love and an understanding of just how cherished we are by him. He goes on, he says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Uh, this Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, uh, if we're children, then we have a future and a hope. We're heirs. We're heirs of God and we are co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. You know, uh, we've talked about 
when the Spirit gives us insight into our future, into the wonderful, perfect, good, and pleasing will of God, it, it empowers us to live better lives. And uh, as Paul uh, begins to wrap up this incredible treatise on life in the Spirit and, and how to open up to the wisdom and power of God, uh, he begins to uh, reveal to us what he sees when he looks at his future through the eyes of the Spirit of God. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the good things, with the glory that is being opened up to us. For creation itself waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. That's pretty heady stuff. Uh, Paul is saying all of creation is longing for the followers of Christ to be revealed as this new creation in him. And uh, he goes on uh, to talk about, you know, how all of the difficulties, all the sufferings that we endure uh, in this life pale in comparison with the good things that God is unfolding to us and through us. You know, uh, I have a my own personal experience of a suffering I chose about a month ago. Uh, last fall, my daughter ran in her first marathon event, the Portland Marathon. And uh, as I got to talking with her, I thought, you know, I should do that with you next year. And so uh, just about three weeks ago, I, I kind of set myself uh, to begin to prepare uh, to run 26 miles. <laughs> I thought, well, I'm either going to do this or I'm going to die trying and uh, one of my first times out of the chute, uh, I mostly walked. I jogged a little bit, and you'll see in this little snapshot I took on my phone uh, that I actually walked, ran, sort of, a little bit, 7.6 miles. And it uh, took me about 17 minutes a mile, uh, but I was pretty happy with uh, getting started in my actual training program. Well, about a week elapsed, and then I decided I'm going to go for a little bit longer distance, and I set out to kind of walk, kind of run a little bit now and then. And I actually went 12 miles. And, uh, you know, one of the things I was most pleased with on this second time out of the shoots is I actually cut two minutes a mile off my time. And uh, I began to calculate, well, if I did that for 26 miles, I'd only be out for like maybe six and a half, seven hours. And so uh, in talking to my daughter, she said, you know, you really should maybe go some shorter distances, but try to get a better pace. Uh, so my third time out of the shoots, I actually ran the whole time. It was my first effort at actually jogging. I did five miles. I did cut a couple of minutes off my time. I'm down under 13 minutes a mile. But I tell you, those five miles were at least three times as hard as the 12 miles I walked. And I, I, I began to think, I'm not sure that I could turn around and do this four more times. Well, that's called suffering. But as you do it, you build endurance. And I tell you, I, I've not lost one sense, uh, one uh, small measure of uh, determination that I'm going to do this next fall with my daughter. And I, here's the reason. The joy of doing something like that together at this point in my life is just so great that I'm willing to go through the difficult times, the cruddy times. And uh, Paul is saying, look, when we catch a glimpse of what's in store for us and the wonderful things that God has planned for those who follow Christ, 
When the Spirit shows us those things, uh, even the crummy days uh, take their place behind the good things that God is up to. Well, Paul ends with some pretty wonderful words. He says, we know that in all things, God is actually working for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And then he asks the question, what shall we say in response to all these things that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ? We can live according to the spirit and experience life and peace and God working all things for our good. What should we say of all this? Well, here's what Paul says. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? He goes on to ask this question, who shall separate us from this incredible love that we have in Christ and he determines nothing that can cut us off from this wonderful experience of love God has made available to us. He determines no, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Well, uh, summarizing, you know, how, how do we practically, even on our bad days, uh, flip the switch? How do we begin to live in the power and the wisdom uh, that uh, the Spirit wants to give us? Uh, how do we live a Spirit-filled life that should be normative for every one of Christ's followers? Well, I could say this. I, I could encourage you, read Romans 8 every day. Think your way through it. Ask God to make it a reality in your life, and that would help you immensely. Uh, but uh, let me, uh, for those of you who want the cliff notes, uh, here are the high points of how Paul invites us to live practically in the wisdom and power of God's spirit is it begins with cherishing your freedom in Christ. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Uh, let him begin to saturate your soul with this newness uh, that uh, allows you to be filled with more of him. Uh, be determined to live beyond yourself. You can set your mind. You can govern your thoughts by what the spirit desires. Uh, be lethal with your dark side, Paul will say later in his letter, give no opportunity for your old nature to have its fling. Uh, be willing to be led. God is wanting to take you to places you could never imagine reaching on your own. And it comes as you submit and surrender to the leadership of his spirit. Be open to being loved. Uh, he wants to stir up in you that awareness that you're a dearly loved child of God, that by his longings you can cry, Abba, Father, and be confident of your future. It's an amazing, it's a good future. It has God's faithfulness written all over it. Uh, would you pray with me? Uh, Father, thank you for how wonderful uh, your truth is, uh, for how good you are, uh, for how perfect your will is for people. Uh, Lord, for anyone who calls upon your name, we can escape that law of sin and death and enter in to the law of life and liberty, the spirit who, who brings about God's goodwill in our lives. If you're hearing this message and you realize, you know, you've never set yourself to follow Jesus Christ, to go where he's leading you uh, rather than to make him fit uh, within your plans and agenda, uh, but you're, you realize it's the best thing you could possibly do for yourself. That's called faith 
I want to encourage you uh, right where you're at. Say, Lord, uh, forgive me. Uh, I want uh, what you did on the cross uh, to pay my debt. Uh, thank you for uh, inviting me to become one of your followers, uh, to become a new creation in you. I receive that gift from you right now. And uh, all of us, Lord, we want to open our hearts afresh uh, to the, the person and the work of the advocate, of the comforter, of the teacher, of the guide, of the very presence of Jesus with us in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that as we reflect uh, on these staggering, wonderful truths from Romans chapter 8, that you would open up to each of us the ability, whatever whatever's going on in our lives, whatever we're going through, that the lights would come on and we would realize nothing can separate us from a real-time experience of your love. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.